a 80-year-old priest was actually killed at the hands of two teenagers that are sort of indoctrinated with the ideology of ISIS. Now, you might be saying, well, Simon, that's in Catholic Church in France. Why are you telling us? Well, it's the same story here. But the priest was killed when the two attackers entered through the back door of a church and then took the priest and two nuns hostage, where eventually they took the priest's life. They entered via an insecure rear door. This is the Church Security Made Simple podcast, giving leaders practical solutions to help make your community safer. I'm your host, Simon Osmo, and I'm on a mission to keep his churches safe. Now, it's been over 10 years since the Lord called me into security ministry, and as a national church safety practitioner supporting churches across the country, I'll share my expertise to give you simple solutions to keep your church safe. So if you're ready to make your church security simple, come join me and let's dive into this week's episode as we learn how to plan, prepare and protect our ministries. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the danger of the insecure rear door. And I'm smirking to myself a little bit because when I think of the insecure rear doors at House of Worship, it's most often the worship teams that are responsible for not locking doors, uh, propping doors open, and they seem to be the worst offenders. However, they are not the only offenders, but they seem to be one of the worst offenders. So I thought it was a good time to offer some perspective and thoughts about the danger of the insecure rear door and then give you some solutions as to how we can combat it. But I want to start off with a case study. Now, the first United Presbyterian Church in Pennsylvania in 2013, a 53-year-old retired school teacher called Gregory Eldred, a couple of years prior to the incident, had divorced his wife, Darla, Uh, He was under investigation from the FBI for having child pornography on his computer. Now, he believed that his wife, Darla, was more than likely the person responsible for notifying him to the FBI. But he was seen one day at his church, pacing back and forth outside the church. And we're not going to cover indicators today, but there were several indicators that harm was about to take place. But when he entered the church, he entered the church via a door that is normally locked. So he entered the church via a side door, started to walk towards the front of the church where the pastor said immediately they knew something bad was going to happen. And tragically, he pulls out a firearm and kills his ex-wife, Darla. But he entered via an insecure rear door, which is normally locked. The pastor saw him enter and was thinking, well, that's strange because that door is locked. And we also see in the ISIS church attack in France in 2016. Now, at a Catholic church, a 80-year-old priest was actually killed at the hands of two teenagers that are sort of um, indoctrinated with the ideology of ISIS. Now, you might be saying, well, Simon, that's in a Catholic church in France. Why are you telling us? Well, it's the same story here. But the priest was killed when the two attackers entered through the back door of a church and then took the priest and two nuns hostage, where eventually they took the priest's life. They entered via an insecure rear door. And I mentioned the Uvalde school shooting. Was the door propped open? Was the door not propped open? 
In the public inquiry, we'll get to the outcome as to what truly happened. However, we do know from news reports, there was a culture of propping the door open because there was a rock there. One of the teachers that had the allegation that they propped the door open, their attorney came back and said, the teacher unpropped the door. They saw a door was propped open a stone. They recognized the danger and then they unpropped the door and then they locked the door. Either way there, it tells me that there was a culture at that school of propping door opens. Now, we saw this again recently at the Michigan State shooting this year, where again, people tragically lost their lives at the college. But the assailant entered the college via an insecure door to the student union. So we're seeing a theme here. These perpetrators are entering not by the front door where they're going to be seen, but they're entering via those back doors. How more, much more secure would we be if we were securing our perimeters? And I want to come to you with a quote from Martin Luther King, which I really like, and I feel it's topical in this conversation. And it said that we are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and in history, there is such a thing as being too late. Underline that. There is such a thing as being too late. So we have a fantastic opportunity now to try and stop this culture that we're seeing across the countries where our doors are being left open, our doors are being propped open. So I'm going to challenge you here and say that this is not a security problem. This is a culture problem. Let me say that again. The danger of the insecure rear door, those doors that are getting propped open in your church. This is not a security problem. This is a security culture problem. So let's look then about how do we overcome it? Well, the first thing I want to say to you is give yourself some grace. We often are challenged. We're often working alone. We're often trying to change culture, all these things to make sure that our house of worship is safe. And I really want you to know that it's really important to give yourself some grace because do what you can, but don't feel that everything rests on your shoulders. But you see there's a problem. You know that people are leaving your doors open. They're propping doors open. You see the danger because you're security-minded. But make sure you're giving yourself some grace as to how to resolve it. But one thing that I would say is that when churches contact me from across the country and say, Simon, our doors are constantly being propped open, I can't secure our perimeters. I will say to them, well, are you giving guidance to your staff and volunteers as to what the expectations are? And I said, actually, Simon, no, we're not. Should we be giving them guidance? And yes, you need to write it down in your process and your procedures, maybe even in your policy, but make sure that you're giving people clear guidance as to what is acceptable. Now, the next thing I always say is, well, you've got to challenge these individuals. It's hard in a church because we don't want to do this. And I'll say to people, well, Simon, did, did you challenge that person when they did that? Well, no, I didn't feel like it was my place or I, I felt really uncomfortable going to them. No, you need to inform them. You need to tell them the importance of what we are doing here in safety and security. So 
At the same time, there's like a notification as a challenge. You've got to train them on the importance of locking doors, making sure they're locked and not propping those doors open. The danger of the insecure rear door, we've got to train them. The next thing I'll ask you to do to try and change that cultural shift is then meet with your religious leaders and make sure, one, they understand the problem, they understand the challenges that you are having, and you're going to ask them for their support. Can I have your support in talking to your leaders? Can I have your support in talking to volunteers? Can I have your support if I say, Pastor Brian said this, and as a result of that, we need to become better at doing this. It's really important that you meet with your religious leaders to make sure they understand the danger of the insecure rear door and what we need to do to keep people safe. Now, that was just a mini episode of me sharing some of my views there about the danger of the insecure rear door. But tell me about you at your church. Is an insecure rear door a problem? Do you have a cultural problem of worship teams, of volunteers propping doors open? What have you found that works and is effective in this way? I would love for you to leave a comment and let me know. A lot of you often ask about the trainings that I do in the webinars. I do a monthly webinar, um, which I'll post the link below if you want to join one of those webinars. And people say, well, can we have the video? Well, uh, my training videos go into my product, which is called the Worship Security Academy Video Coach. The Video Coach, I'll drop a link below. Uh, in that Video Coach, we have trainings from Colchin, Tina Rowe, Dr. James Denzi from the Violence Project. There's information on insurance, there's information on threat assessment, there's information on legalities. There is like 70 videos and now over 50 hours of training materials. So if you want to get involved in the WSA video coach, I'll post a link below. It is a great place to um, grow, sort of grow your learning and your knowledge. But for now, I hope you stay safe, you have a blessed day, and I shall see you in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Church Security Made Simple podcast. If you're looking for training on how to keep you and your church community safe, or if you're interested in working with me on my five-week group coaching program, please head over to worshipsecurity.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening. Now, I'll be back with you on the next episode, but until then, stay safe, have a blessed day, and remember, always plan, prepare, and protect your ministry.